Hello and welcome to Pod Be With You, a podcast of the Congregational Church of Batavia and the First Congregational Church of Dundee. I'm Paige. And I'm Aaron. We are back on Zoom, or I should say still on Zoom. So if there's little bits of choppiness or audio uh let's say inconsistencies we do apologize we are trying to be safe that said even when we are safe sometimes the covid gets us doesn't it Paige? yes it it got me uh, it got so you. I, I tested positive a couple days ago i'm doing really well my symptoms are mild but yeah. you will notice from my tota voice that i'm a little stuffy <laughs> and i might have to stop and cough and all of that good sort of stuff so i hope you'll bear with me if that's the case so we're in good places and we're safe, even if it is an auditory nightmare hellscape. Um, we are doing fairly well here. <laughs> There's going to be a couple of folks. Uh, I'm sure that we know, I'm sure anybody of you, any of you listening, I know that there are folks you are thinking about that are struggling this time. Uh, we are praying for you, hoping that you get well and stay safe. Yeah. We're here with another Bible study this morning. In this week before Christmas week on this fourth Sunday of Advent. For us, the Sunday of love. How are you speaking of it, Paige, in Batavia? Uh, we are talking about it in terms of impossibility, mm. which I think will be a lot of fun. <laughs> and for you, a subject that gets more and more relevant every single day. <laughs> as, you, as you think about how you're going to make this happen. Make it work, yeah. Yeah. Making it work, found one more way to have to make it work in 2020. This seems like a good end to your year, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. An appropriate end to your year. Uh, we are, for our story this week, it's a little bit strange because we've got things slightly backwards. Mm -hmm. If last week we heard about Mary fresh on the heels of a visit from the angel Gabriel to go visit Elizabeth to share the good news and the rejoicing, well, then we go back a couple of parts in the story, and here we are at that visit from the angel Gabriel, a story known through history as the Annunciation. And it is a wonderful, fascinating, and really quite richly detailed and textured story in ways mm -hmm. that I hadn't appreciated growing up, uh, or even until the last couple of years, if I'm honest. And we'll get into a lot of that. But first, here's the story itself. It comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May God add understanding to the hearing of these words. These, what a great story. Yes, these venerable words. Yeah. that Most of us have heard um, many, many, many times. For many of us, probably as many years as we have been alive is how yes. many times we've heard them. Because we, we get these once a year, most of the time. Yep. So... When you were leading your Bible study and doing your study, what's the first place that folks went? What did they What did they hear in this? What did they want to talk about? Um, well, what was interesting, uh, some people noted that the first thing that that popped out to them is that Mary wasn't afraid, mm. right? Um, so the the we have these these angel visitations that happen throughout all of Scripture, and inevitably uh, people are terrified. Mm. Uh, when they uh, come face to face with these angels. And even though the angel did say to Mary, don't be afraid, it, it, the text doesn't say that Mary was. It said she was perplexed, <laughs> which, which for, for all rights and purposes, yes, I would be perplexed too. <laughs> yes, but perplexed. she wasn't afraid, uh, which I think is already kind of goes to show you that Mary's, Mary is, is cut out of a special kind of cloth. Mm. She is. And it is interesting that Mary gets some pretty nuanced emotions yeah. through this story, more so than I think other, I don't want to say characters, it makes it sound false, but other participants in this narrative get things like terrified or, right. and she gets perplexed, perplexed. or at least what's, what's, translated as perplexed here <laughs> and she does some pondering and treasuring in her heart later in the story right she gets some of these yes really tender but let's be honest some really mature sounding yeah uh processing some some descriptions of of, of what she's going through which is remarkable considering as it has been well noted that mary was probably between 13 and 16 yeah. Uh, at this age. So, and we have words for young women who are 13 to 16 this day. And that word is girl, right? This was, this was not to a woman in our, this, this news did not come to a woman in our sense of it today. No, it came to a young teenage high school aged girl. So it's funny that our, our Bible study here went a slightly different direction with it, acknowledging that she was perplexed they were thinking about just how absolutely terrified she must have been. Really? Yeah, to get this news of absolute disruption, there must have been a part of her that was thinking, my life is over. Right. I am an unwed girl. And if I'm pregnant, I am effectively disposable to my society. My yeah. husband will dismiss me at best. There are multiple people to whom she could go. Elizabeth, or Joseph that could have legally had her stoned to death. Absolutely. She, this good news that we celebrate 
showed up to her as what could have been the worst news anybody could have gotten. And, and I think that I think that that is important to note because yeah. very often I think we we live in an age where um, uh, the health and wealth gospel has been preached for so long that we kind of have absorbed that. And yeah. what we think is the favor of God is going to be this thing that makes our lives fantastic mm. uh, by the standards of the world. And what we get here is, you know, you are the favored one and look what's going to happen. It's, yeah. it's not, it's not necessarily the way that we perceive it to be. Um, and that doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect and peachy and fine from here on out. In fact, very often being uh, following the will of God takes us to some really difficult places. Yeah. And what ends up in retrospect being really good news often does not arrive as such. Right. Right. Uh, well, one of the I love to pick on this. I have no personal vendetta here, but I love to pick on Joel Osteen's book, uh, which was just because it so perfectly encapsulates this, that one of his books is called Your Best Life Now. Yeah. And every word of that is wrong. Your yeah. best, like as it's about you, best as though, you know, it's this weird American sense of maximalism, life now, right? This idea that you have it immediately and that that's what our religion is about, you getting what you want immediately. Right. When in fact, it, at no point is that borne out in the biblical story. What it actually you get is God's right plan in its due course, like at the right time. And in the meantime, there's perplexed, acceptance, surrender, confusion, and fear. Yeah. But, but faithfulness through all of it, which is really where Mary has been for thousands of years, an exemplar for some people, uh, the primary exemplar of faith. Yeah, I think uh, Protestants don't pay nearly enough attention to Mary. No. Um, I think uh, for a long time, uh, Protestants have sort of looked at it, at Mary and seen her as the purview of our Catholic brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> for that reason, have sort to of shied detriment. away from... To our, yeah, much to our detriment, because she um, she's this amazing example of what can happen when you say yes to God. Um, and again, it doesn't mean that it has to be um, a fearless yes or a um, a worry less yes, mm -hmm. um, or it's not full of anxiety or any of those sorts of things. But it is a yes, just the same that that makes it faithful. It reminds me of, uh, you've quoted this before. Um, I've seen it as a Winnie the Pooh thing, but it's not a Winnie the Pooh thing. It's actually a Lord of the Rings thing <laughs> where, right? Where they say, can you have courage even when you're afraid? And to which the other character responds, that's the only time you can have courage or that's the only time you can be brave, right? And so if we, we can't both speak of Mary's courage and necessarily speak of her being unafraid, because if she was unafraid, then what she did took no courage. I mean, that's a bit reductive, but right. we, I think we could acknowledge that in that her courage and her faith occurred because it was so confusing and so unknown and so scary. And it was in the face of that or in the midst of that, that she moved forward. To our exactly. detriment, we mentioned earlier, I, I really do believe that, I mean, this is a huge, I mean, we could, we could 
do an entire series, was a lifetime of series about Marian theology and the role of Mary in the Catholic imagination and in the overall Christian imagination. I was actually having last week a large conversation with our Bible study about the role of Mary. We have several uh, former Catholics in that group. Mm -hmm. uh, our church, like many churches, is made up overwhelmingly of ex-somethings. And to and I myself, though growing up Protestant, married into a Catholic family and have grown in my appreciation for the role that Mary plays in the theological imagination as the, the queen of heaven. It introduces, even if it's nothing else, it introduces a feminine person, a female person into the divine court, into the, the power and place of God. And you know what? You can push back and forth on people and is this really true? And how can you prove it? And where do you get that? And where do you come from? You know what? There are plenty of Catholics who say, when I really need something, when you've got God as a big dad up in the sky, often aloof, and you've got Jesus as a teacher you need to follow, and the Holy Spirit doesn't get enough, but is taught a teacher and an advocate and also male, sometimes you just need your mom. And yeah. for a lot of Catholics, Mary is your mom, the Holy yeah. Mother. And, and they will go to her with things that they will not go to anyone else with. And why we do that, we could unpack that for a lifetime, but the fact is, it's just true. It resonates, I think, with all of us, um, or I should say, at least with many of us, that there be, in the, in the court of heaven, our Holy Mother. Yeah, a female presence. Yeah. Um, it's that this is the Annunciation, and then it's followed, of course, by the Visitation and the Magnificat. Mm -hmm. Um, all comes in the book of Luke. Luke is so, um, in many ways, compared to the other Gospels, uh, female-centric, right? Mm. Um, and they don't pop up in other narratives. Um, and uh, I think it's just wonderful. The the whole first chapter of Luke uh, is is peopled with these amazing amazing females that are that are uh, prophets and, and uh, uh, you know, the chosen of God and the, the vessels through which the, the kingdom will come. And it's pretty amazing um, that Luke makes room for them in, in that particular way. And again, like you said, a pretty nuanced room, which may be why Luke is one of my favorite gospels it uh you know i i said every time we get a new gospel year i say well this one is my favorite <laughs> right uh because i love all of them and they all have their own particular directions and, and 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 slants that they're leaning into but um but i do really appreciate luke for this um and and god bless him for uh having an ear for those voices yes I, I love, as an aside, that we do have four different different gospels to fall in love with in at different times in yeah. different ways for for their unique gifts. Yes, remarkable women who also very clearly seems to seem to know, as we said last week, that they stand in a line of remarkable women who right. very consciously understand that they are the inheritors of the promise promises that were also born by Sarah and realized in Hannah and, uh, and, and placed, as you said, in positions of great power, of prophetic power. One of the indications here is in this promise, uh, the, 
all, all this language of Gabriel seems to be very intentional, in fact, very specific. We don't have to trace all of that here, but for instance, uh, we will give unto, uh, the Lord God will give unto him the throne of his ancestor David and of his kingdom we will, will have no end. Um, that, that deliberately fulfills specifically the promises given to David in 2 Samuel, um, which itself is a continuation of the Samuel and Hannah story. So again, very deliberately saying um, that this is part of the ongoing unfolding story of God. But also in the promise of how this will happen, Angel Gabriel uh, tells Mary that the power of the Most High will overshadow her. And that, to my knowledge, somebody will know better than, than me on this, but to my knowledge and in my brief research, she is the only person of whom the Bible speaks of God overshadowing her. But that language of overshadowing is what is used on Mount Sinai. It is the language of overshadowing Moses, of, of, the, of the presence of God overshadowing Elijah, of, of the transfiguration later, mm -hmm. where Peter goes up the, or Jesus goes up the mountain with Peter and James and John and is standing there with Moses and Elijah. And then, and then a, a cloud overshadowed them. Yeah. This formidable language of the divine presence is used here of Mary. Yeah. As being the fullness of God will come upon you. Yeah. It's, it really is kind of, um, kind of astonishing language and uh, awe-inspiring when you really think about the, like you said, the long line from which it is coming. Um, and uh, I also think of, uh, I think of that also in terms of what Elizabeth uh, says during the visitation where she is, um, she's filled with the Holy Spirit, which makes her, the Bible says, filled with the Holy Spirit, which makes her a prophet. Yes. Um, you know, uh, which is the language of prophecy throughout all of the Hebrew Bible. Um, so we have this, Luke is very careful about the language that he uses to put people in the right place and and call up the right um, images and ideas um, and connections from the Hebrew Bible uh, that people would have had uh, upon hearing these things. I am, uh, this morning again, I was reminded of how much more richly the original audience would have heard and received this narrative because it is not simply i'm putting down an orderly set of events which is what you know luke says he's doing and there is that <laughs> but he is also composing a narrative with great intention where every line can be practically can be unpacked and evokes something something specific in the theological imagination or the messianic expectation of the people of Israel yeah. at the time. Yeah. And which is to say, we touched on this a little bit this morning, which is to say who they expected their Messiah to be, a great king in the line and lineage of David. By the way, they go out of their way to say that Joseph is descended from the house of David. And then they go out of their way to say it's not Joseph's kid. They kind of want to have both which is at so the weird. same time. It's so weird. Uh, but anyway, um, that they are... Uh, that this is a very specific expectation for who this savior would be. And the more we understand, so this would be a new 
a new season, a new, uh, a new legacy of power for the people of Israel. They would be free. They would be prosperous as they were under King David. They would be creative and safe, right? So it, the more we understand of his kingdom, there will be no end, right? This is incredible language. The better we understand how people understood that promise and how much they were relying on their Messiah to be that, frankly, the better we understand how much more disillusioned and disappointed and frustrated they were when Jesus turned out to be a very different kind of Messiah and Savior. This was someone who was supposed to throw off the shackles of Rome and restore them to sovereignty and glory, and instead is put to death like a common criminal by Rome. Yeah. You want to wonder why most people thought that was a failure, and most people thought that that was not just, you know, ignominious, but incredibly disheartening. This is, you, you cannot be the person we thought you would be. You are nothing like him. And frankly, you're nothing even like what the beginning of the story tells you we should expect you to be. That's true. Or at least just in a very different way that different people were differently willing to hear. So this not only makes Christmas make sense, but a better understanding of this makes Holy Week make a lot more sense. Yep. And of course, uh, as I like to point out when I'm doing uh, confirmation to with, uh, with the kids is Advent and Lent have a whole lot in common. They're, they, sure they are fundamentally connected in in tone, in expectation, uh, in in the general uh, themes that pop up in both of them, and the reasons for that are are um, are clear when you begin to when you begin to read the story uh, um, and see that 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 they're sowing the seeds for Holy Week even in even in the story of the Nativity. Yeah. Well, any clues about where you're going to go with this on Sunday? Um, I'm really. I'm really excited about um, Mary saying yes, and mm. that 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 opens the door um, to impossibility. Um, God doesn't just kind of blow in here and say, "This is what's going to happen," and everybody better be okay with that. He allows Mary to be part of the narrative and actually. Uh, give her consent to be part of the narrative. And mm. uh, I think that that's a powerful analogy for the way that, that we're called into partnership with God. Um, and that, that it's only when we, when we say yes to the things that we expect to be impossible, um, mm. that impossible things actually happen. So I think, I think that's the direction I'm going to go. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. That'll um, preach. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's what, what about you? Well, uh, one thing to comment on yours first, uh, just as a delaying tactic, but um, there are uh, one of the ways she does not, in, you might say, follow in the lineage of the prophets and the other great called figures of history. She actually says yes, far more readily than many others. Yeah. Right? You, you think about all the other folks to whom angels came or whom the, the God called, who got this message from the Lord. Almost to a person, the answer is, please not me, or it can't be me, 
Um, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, so this is Abraham. This is Moses. This is most of the prophets. This is saying there, there's no way it could be me. Uh, yeah. Right? And she, again, back to our original word, she seems more perplexed than reluctant. Uh-huh. It's more of a, as she says, how can this be? Not it can't be, which right. is what a lot of other folks say. And God's got to say, why, yes, and can't. And um, that which reminds me of something that has been making the rounds lately. And, and you know, it, it has its limits, but it contains some truth. Uh, when people say God doesn't call the equipped, God equips the called, that is the faith of people saying yes. Because most people, when they say yes, yeah don't feel equipped to do it, which makes, which is what makes it a leap of faith. Absolutely. So I think we're similar. How can we not be uh, on Sunday? Our theme, so to speak, if I were to summarize it is love finds a way. And yep. Which is a way of speaking to this time and to the patterns of our faith. And frankly, to what I see a lot of people doing these days is in the face of incredible challenges and despite incredible limitations, love is finding a way. People are giving and loving and helping. People are investing in the world they want to see in things that they value. People are being uniquely intentional about the ways in which they are connecting because we have to be. And the story of our faith is the story of love finding a way, not just in this Christmas story, but, but, in, but in every story, truly. Well, that ought, That's to preach fantastic. On, that ought to preach on Love Sunday. Well, f- plus, we got a lot of music. So we got a couple songs. I'm going to do my best Mark Haley uh, impression because Mark and Haley are going to be there. And so I'm going to pre- pretend to be part of their group a little bit on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> which is gonna be which is gonna be fun. That'll be fun. Me. Yeah. So a little bit of music and a whole lot of love, which makes it a good Sunday for the Sunday before Christmas. It absolutely does. Next week, because it is Christmas week with Christmas Eve coming on that Thursday, we're gonna be doing an early recording, aren't we? We're gonna be recording yes. on Tuesday of next week. So look, and then we will probably be taking that next week off. So if we miss you. Uh, we hope you miss us. We will be away that week, and then we will be uh, back that first week in January with more. Uh, some great guests lined up and some creative things. So anything else for the common good, Pastor Page? No, just I hope that everybody is doing well this season. Try to stay healthy, um, and uh, I hope that there is joy in your world. Amen to that. And if we do not see you beforehand, a blessed Advent and a Merry Christmas. And for that matter, a Happy New Year to all of you. Thank you for being with us. Until we do see or talk to you again, be safe, be well, be the church. Bye. Bye. (laughs) I wanted to add, it's got to be a better New Year than the year we've had. But you know what? (laughs) That's just, that's inviting trouble. Yeah, I just... Good God, don't say that out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.